Can all y'all stand up and worship with us this morning? coming out and thank you for our online audience for watching. It's a good day. God has brought us here and we can celebrate with our body of Christ and praise him for what he's done for us. So let's just praise him today and worship him. So if you would pray with me. 
God, we love you, and we want to worship you. We want to worship you because of what you've done for us and who you are to us. Thank you for loving us, and we pray that you would speak through this service and help us to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.
great, great things. I love that. Um, how about you hold my microphone while I talk? I got I to have two hands. I love that God has done great things, and he's done so many great things in my life. Um, when I was a kid, we sang a song in church, and it was called Count Your Blessings. Name them one by one. We don't sing that anymore, but I, I was thinking about that this week. Count your blessings and name them one by one, and you'll see what God has done. Sometimes we get so busy, we don't stop to think and count the blessings that God has done for us and to remember how good God is and the great things he's done for us. And uh, one of the greatest things that God has done for me was when I was 10 years old and he saved my soul. There is no greater thing that he can do for you than to save your soul. And uh, you know, I didn't know all the doctrines and all the things it would take to walk the life and the journey. All I knew was um, that I just needed to ask him. You know, God saved me. I believe that. And I asked him, and he did. And um, as I grew older in my walk with Christ, and the rest of that belief came as I got older. I, I learned the things that it took, and I believed that. And in Mark chapter 9, in verse 1, he says, Truly I say to you, there is some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. And then on down in verses 23 and 24, Jesus said to him, All things are possible for one who believes. And then on down it says, I believe. Help my unbelief. As a child, I believed. And as an adult, I still believe. And one day, one day, when my time comes, he's going to call my name. And I'm going to leave this earth and I'm gonna step into that eternal life and I'll live out the result of that belief that I've had all of these years on earth. And this song we're fixing to sing is called This I Believe. And I wanna ask you the question this morning, do you believe? You know, what do you believe? And I want you to sing it. It's talking about this I believe in the name of Jesus Sing it like you mean it this morning. This, I believe. We will. 
a name above every other name, God. You have the power alone. You alone can save, God. You alone can take us from our past, from our darkness, from our shame, from our guilt, God, and you can make us new. Just because the name of Jesus is powerful enough, God, we're so thankful this morning that we're not held by what we've done or things in the past, God, that you make us new. We are a new creation in you, God, and we're so thankful this morning. Pray that you just be with us this morning as Brother Will brings the word and as he brings what you've laid on his heart, God, and as we uh, continue to learn about the spirit, God, and how to love each other well, because that is what you called us to do, God, above everything, is to love you and to love others, God, and especially in the time that we're in. That's just what this world needs, God, is not just love, but the real love that only comes from you. And I just pray that you would just help us to have um, receptive hearts, God, and just be obedient to what you're speaking to us this morning, God. We love you and praise you and thank you for all things. In your son's precious and holy name. worship. Give our priest team another big hand, would you? They did great. They did fantastic. I certainly appreciate uh, James and Elisa. They have been working at our church through this summer as uh, summer interns, uh, and they're about to both go back to Randall University. Both these guys are involved in ministry there, and we have certainly put them to work this summer. Uh, James did the welcome in both of our services this morning, and Elisa put the song set together, and she was in charge this morning, and you did fantastic. Appreciate you so very much. Welcome to the Lord's house and to this preaching hour. For those of you who are online, thank you for uh, tuning in, and I pray that this message would be a blessing to you. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 today. Eight weeks ago, I started a series on the Holy Spirit the Spirit way. Uh, we spent the first several weeks in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and last week we embarked on chapter 13, and we have discovered that the Spirit way is the way of love, because that's what 1 Corinthians 13 is about. It's all about God's love, a special love, agape love. And the only way you can have this kind of love that he wrote about in 1 Corinthians 13 is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. God's Spirit moves inside of you. And not only does the Holy Spirit give you a spiritual gift, He also gives you this kind of love, God's love. Today we're going to look at verses 4 through 8, and let me just go ahead and read it to you. Paul says, love suffers long and love is kind. So what we're going to see in these, these four verses is a description of love. And he begins with two positive things. Love suffers long, that is, it's patient, and love is kind. And then he gives us a list of eight things that love is not. He says love does not envy, love does not parade itself, it is not puffed up, love does not behave rudely, it does not seek its own, love is not provoked, and love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity or in wrongdoing or evil. And those are the eight 
things that love is not. Love does not do these things. And then he returns to the positive after he just said love does not rejoice in iniquity, but love rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. Heavenly Father, I pray that your love would be real to us today. And as the Holy Spirit paints this portrait of love, I pray, dear, dear Lord, that we would see what true love really is. Help us, Holy Spirit, to have the love of God in our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it, it has been estimated that there has been over 100 million, get this, over 100 million love songs recorded. And the variety of those love songs is absolutely staggering. I mean, everything from soul to rock and roll to country and western to even Christian, everybody writes about love songs, whether it's Three Dog Night singing just an old-fashioned love song coming down in three-part harmony, just an old-fashioned love song, one I'm sure they wrote for you and me. See, you all know that song, all right? To a country song. I don't generally listen to a whole lot of country music, but I grew up on country music, and sometimes I go back to it. Alan Jackson wrote a song years ago that he didn't think was going to be a hit, so he didn't even record it, but Clay Walker come along and took it, and he made a big hit out of it, and I love this country song because I sing it to Angie all the time. If I could make a living out of loving you, I'd be a millionaire in a week or two. I'd be living what I love and loving what I do if I could make a living out of loving you. Okay. She loves it when I sing that to her. Okay. And you know what? This could go on all morning, couldn't it? Because there have been a lot of love songs written. But let me just end this by answering the question that Tina Turner asked. What's love got to do, got to do with it? What's love got to do, got to do with it? Let me tell you what love's got to do with it. Absolutely everything. Because you see, love is the foundation for our Christian life. And love is the foundation for every biblical church. We are built on the love of Jesus Christ. So as we look at these aspects of love this morning, I want you to see the Holy Spirit painting this portrait of love. With every word that we read out of God's Word, there is another stroke from the brush of the Holy Spirit teaching us about God's love. In the original text, the words used here to describe love are all verbs. The kind of love is not merely a feeling, but it is active. It is righteous involvement in the lives of other people. And I truly believe that if we have this kind of love, the love of God, there would be a difference in our world today. If you experienced and you express this kind of love in your family, there would be a dramatic drop in divorce, in child abuse, in dysfunctional families. If this kind of love was expressed through the life of every born-again believer across the world today, there would be this super revival going on in the world because people would be drawn to the love of God. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul describes this kind of love. Again, there are seven 
positive aspects of love and eight negative aspects of love. He is saying this is what love is and this is what love is not. Today we're going to look at the seven positive. He begins and ends with the positive. So we're going to begin, go the middle, and do the duration of the positive aspects of love. When you walk out of here this morning, you're going to be so filled with the positive aspects of God's love. It's going to be oozing out of you. Maybe. We hope so. Next week we're going to come back and look at what love is not, but today is all about what love is. What is love? Number one, love is patient. That is, love suffers long. I read this text out of the New King James Version, and that's what it says, love suffers long. In newer translations, it uses the word, love is patient. And right there, we're saying, oh boy. <laughs> oh boy, really? Really, love is patient? Generally, when we think about patience, we think about being patient at a traffic light. How patient are you? Or standing in line at Walmart, six feet apart, you're, you're halfway down the aisle of some aisle waiting for your... And I don't know if you're like me, but I always get the wrong lane. Yeah? And God tests my patience. Have you ever wondered why they call people in hospital patients? It's because they're always waiting. I mean, that's what you do at hospital. You hurry up and wait, whether it be for a test or, or for medicine. But the use of this particular word in the New Testament is always in reference to patience with people. You are to be patient with people, difficult people. Oh, boy. Somebody say, oh, my. Oh, my, yeah, here we go. The word comes from the combination of two words that literally mean to be long-tempered. When we talk about someone who is usually temperamental, we sometimes say that they have a short what? A short fuse on them. And, and somebody is going to light that fuse, and it's not going to be long more sooner than later that there's going to be an explosion. Can you relate to that? Yeah, because you're sitting by that person, right? Or you know that person I'm talking about. Patience, on the other hand, means that when I am provoked and when I am annoyed, I don't explode. So how do we do that? How do we keep from having a short fuse? How can we be patient with people? Well, I think the key is when, whenever that fuse is lit, whenever somebody annoys you or provokes you, instead of just blowing up, you start praying about it. Lord, help me to be patient with this person. Help me to express to them the same kind of love that you have expressed to me. Did you get that? Because you see, every one of these aspects of love is a characteristic of God. And our God has already displayed this kind of patience and this kind of long-suffering with us. How do I mean that? Well, look at 2 Peter chapter 3, and the Bible tells us, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but he is long-suffering. That is our word. He's long-tempered. God is patient toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you see that? I'm thankful that God is long-suffering toward me. God has not given to me what I deserve, which is death, damnation, hell. I mean, I deserve that. You do too, because we're all sinners. But God has been patient 
toward us, even during our rebellious years, even when we weren't giving God the time of day, God was patient with us. He was long-suffering with us. Why? So that we would repent. Now, this is not something that, that naturally comes to us as human beings. We are not patient human beings. So we have to fight against the grain here. But we need to remember God has been patient with us. And as a believer, I do not have the privilege of satisfying my need to get even. Why? Because I am indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And God's Spirit can give me the patience I need with other people. So how does this flesh out in your life? When that person provokes you tomorrow, when that person lights your fuse this afternoon, you don't blow up and do what the devil wants you to do. No, you just stop right there and say, God, give me patience with this person. Help me to be long-suffering towards them, just like you have been long-suffering towards me. I told the 9 o'clock people a, a good lesson I learned from this was at seminary. My favorite professor was this old man named Dr. McGorman. He was a New Testament professor at Southwestern. He taught several New Testament classes. I had him in Greek. And one day we were translating the book of James, and it came to that point in James where James talks about the tongue and harnessing the tongue. And so Dr. McGorman just stopped the translation and he said, let, let me share a testimony with you guys about me and ministry. He said, y'all look at me now and you think that I'm just this kind, compassionate old man that's always happy and jolly and easy to get along with. And he was. I mean, I love Dr. McGorman. He said, let me tell you, when I was young, I was fiery. I was fiery. And people, they would just provoke me and light my fuse, and I was always just spitting stuff back at them. He said, I'd go through the whole day just firing back at people and being angry with people and not being patient with them and letting them know what was on my mind. And he said, I figured out that that's not the way men of God are to act. <laughs> and he said, if I was going to make it in ministry, I was going to have to learn how to be patient with people. And instead of speaking out towards them negative words, I was, I was going to have to control that. So I, I did what I thought was right when somebody said something and I wanted to spit something back out. I just bite my tongue. And he said, but that hurt really bad. <laughs> and my tongue was always bleeding and, and always swollen. And, and I, I thought there, there's got to be a better way because I can't keep biting my tongue. And he said, so I went around with my hands in my pocket and when somebody would light my fuse, instead of spouting back at them, I'd just pinch myself on the leg, and I'd pray and say, God, give me patience. Give, give me the right words to say. He said, that, that didn't work too well either because I'd go home and the front of my legs would be black and blue because <laughs> I'd pinched them all day. He said, but finally, finally, after years of struggling, I got control over it. And, and I was able to speak good words towards people and be patient with people. Let me tell you, None of you get a free ride with this one, guys. God is patient with you. God has been long-suffering towards you. Long time ago, you, you should have been thrown on the scrap heap. But God's been patient towards you. And now God is saying, with the same patience I have had towards you, I want you to have to other people. So let's work on it. Will you? Let's work on that. Let's be patient with other people. To do that, number two, you've got to be kind. Because love is kind. The word means to do something good for those who do you harm. 
And because love is active, it's more than just biting your tongue or pinching your leg. Love looks for ways to bless others, even those who hurt you. And understand, this is first and foremost a quality of God. Let's look at it in Titus chapter 3. But when the kindness and love of God, there's our word kindness, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy, because of his grace. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Lord. Just think about that. God withheld his wrath towards us. And he gave us what we didn't deserve, a brand new start. He generously poured out his spirit upon us when we received Jesus as his son. What kindness. God didn't have to do that. And then look at it this way. The greatest thing that I have came from someone who I offended the most. Step back. The greatest thing I have, salvation, came from the person that I offended the greatest. And that's God. God, God is above sin. God does not tolerate sin. God hates sin. And I offended God through the sin of my life. But yet, because of his kindness, he has forgiven me. Suppose somebody invited you to their brand new house. They just built this new house. You hadn't seen this person in a long time. You'd been good friends with them years ago, and you kind of reconnected. They, they got this big new house, and they were taking you through the house, and they took you into the living room, and there hanging on the wall is this beautiful piece of art, and you knew, you knew it was a masterpiece. You knew when you saw the thing, that thing is priceless. It's worth a whole lot of money. And so you ask them, where did you get that? And they said, oh, that, that was given to me by a person I offended. And then they take you out to the garage, and there is a brand-new Mercedes sitting in the garage. You say, where'd you get that? And the reply, well, it was a gift from someone that I hurt deeply. You'd be shocked by that, wouldn't you? I mean, your head would be swimming. How could somebody that you have offended or somebody that you have hurt would give you a priceless piece of artwork or a brand-new Mercedes? But, folks, that is the exact kindness that God has shown toward us. The greatest thing that we have came from the one that we hurt the most. Wow. Man, can I say amen to that? That is amazing. I heard about one child who prayed, Lord, make all bad people good and all good people nice. <laughs> what the world needs now. Oh, I, I need to get off the song stuff, don't I? Not, not just love, but they need this kind of love. They need God's kind of love. Uh, the first test of Christian kindness and, and the test of really aspect, every aspect of love is found in the home. Christian husbands who act like Christians in the home. And they're kind to their wife and their kids. Christian wives who act like Christian wives, and they're kind to their husbands. Christian kids who act like Christians in the home, and they're kind to their siblings 
and their parents. It's more than just having kind feelings towards them. They actually do kind things to them. They sacrifice for them. Let me tell you, it's tough to be kind. Occasionally at at funerals, I'll talk about the person, and on a few occasions I have said, this person was a kind person. They were genuinely kind. Did you know you can't say that about everybody? So would you please act that way now so that when you die, (laughs) I can say that about you. We go on to number three, love rejoices with the truth. Now, you'll remember, here's where the gap appears. He starts by saying love is patient, love is kind, and then he goes into this eight long list of things love is not. Love does not act this way. Love does not look like this. And in verse 6, he ends that list of eight negative things by saying, love does not rejoice in iniquity. I'll talk about this next week, but literally he's saying, love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, doing the wrong thing. Love doesn't rejoice in evil. And then he picks back up with the positive by saying, love rejoices in the truth. So love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. Love rejoices in the truth. What is the truth he's talking about? Well, he's talking more about simple factual truth. I can say one plus one is two, and that's a fact. But that's not something we rejoice in, all right? The truth he is talking about is the revealed Word of God. He's talking about your Bible, He's talking about the Word of God. Love always rejoices in God's truth and never with falsehood or with false teaching. Love cannot tolerate wrong doctrine. So it makes no sense to me that one of you could say, well, it really doesn't make a great deal of difference if people don't agree with us about what the Bible says. What matters is that we love them. Now, let's just stop right there and take that we love them out of the equation because you know what? That's a given. We got to love people. No matter who they are, no matter what they've done, we love people because God loved people. And if you don't love people, you got an issue with God. You need to settle that with God because we love people as God loves people. But to tap somebody on the shoulder and say, oh, it's okay. it doesn't matter what you believe. You can believe whatever you want to believe, and it's going to be okay. I love you. That's foolishness. That was the beginning of the ecumenical movement years ago, and it is the message that is preached by those who are pushing tolerance down our throats today. Now, let me tell you, if you really love somebody... You're going to be concerned about what they believe. Whether or not they believe the word of God is true and right is right and wrong is wrong. No matter what color you are or what society you live in or what time frame you have lived, right is right and wrong is wrong. And to tap somebody on the shoulder, oh, it's it's okay. You can just believe whatever you want to believe. You're going to be okay. I don't love that person very much if that's the way I treat them. Now, listen to me very closely. What this does not give you the opportunity to do is to be hard-nosed and mean-spirited and condescending towards them. 
No, we teach them the truth through love. I, I said this for the first service, and I, I don't think I clearly spoke what I feel in my heart, but honestly, the, the, the people that I am the nicest to, the people I am the kindest to, the people I have the most patience with are lost people, sinners. I'm, I'm thinking of this person right now in my mind. I can see them. They, they are living in sin. They are doing exactly what the Bible says that you're supposed to do. They're doing the opposite of that. But you know what? I am, I am so nice to that person. I try to be kind to that person. I'm loving to that person. Why? Because if I'm going to win that person to Jesus Christ and be able to tell them the truth, it's going to happen through love, not through an attitude of I'm better than you are. Are you with me? Now, sometimes the people I have less patience with are people who know better but don't act the way they're supposed to act. But I'm not going to go there right now, okay? So love itself, it rejoices with the truth. I'm standing on God's word, but I'm going to share it in love because I care about you. I care what happens to you. Now, the next four are in ascending order, and he put them together. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. So let's put those four together and let's build one atop the other. So number four, love bears all things. The word literally means to put up with something. Dr. Piccarelli is one of the best theologians we have in Free Will Baptist, wrote a commentary on 1 Corinthians, and here's what Dr. Pick said about this bears all things. He says, love puts up with all sorts of things. Now just let that soak. Love puts up with all sorts of things. You know what it does? Think about that in your own family. There's a whole lot of nonsense that you put up with just because you love. Isn't it true? Love puts up with all sorts of things. Someone else has, has commented on this phrase. It means to cover over something so as to keep the water out. And I kind of like the way the NIV translates it. Love always protects. So let's put all of that together and say that true love bears all things by protecting others from exposure and ridicule and even harm. Genuine love, get this, I'm fleshing it out right now, genuine love never gossips, nor does it listen to gossip. Why? Because it loves the person that, that is involved in that gossip. And even when sin is certain, love tries to correct it with the least possible hurt and harm to the guilty person. Now, let me tell you, love never protects sin, but love is anxious to protect the sinner. And let's build on that. Love not only bears all things, love believes all things. Now, that's not to say love is gullible, because it's not. It's discerning and intelligent. This means to believe the best about somebody else. And that's what I'm doing with you. I believe the best about you. Love's first instinct is to trust someone. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. So you know what? I'm going to believe the best about you. 
I'm going to love the best about you. Now, certainly, love is going to be betrayed sometime or another. People we love and trust, they're going to let us down. It's going to happen, either by people in your home or close relationships and friendships. But you know what? It is still better to go through life believing in others and sometimes being deceived and disappointed than to go through life and never love at all. So you believe. You believe in the best. Again, I told first service this story. Usually when I tell first service stuff, I, and it doesn't go well, I shouldn't tell y'all. I don't think this went too well, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you anyway. The very first church I pastored in, in Fort Worth, Texas, I had a, it was a small church to begin with, and it was very dysfunctional. I mean, they had, they had all kinds of problems, and they, they didn't keep preachers very long. I mean, maybe a year, 16 months, as long as any preacher would stay there. And so I was preacher number, I don't know, 492 in 30 years or something. I, I don't know. But I was just a young seminary student. I was going to seminary and I preached for them. They asked me to be their pastor, and I became their pastor. Six months into it, one of the deacons came to me, and we had two deacons. We really had one too many deacons. But anyway, he came to me, and he said, uh, he said I just want you to know up front here, you know, I'm going to sit there, and I'm going to listen to you preach, and, and I'm, I'm going to like you, but I'm not going to love you. I mean, what do you say to somebody who says, I'm not going to love you? I said, okay. And he said, I'll tell you the reason why. I've loved a few of the pastors we've had in the past, but they've, they've all let me down. They've all up and left us. And I made a decision years ago, I'm never going to love another pastor again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever. You know, I got to thinking about it. Maybe one of the reasons they've had so many pastors is because they've treated them that way. And there hasn't been that koinonia, that Christian kind of love, not only given to the pastor, but given to other people in the church. Can I tell you something, folks? The love that we have bears all things and it believes all things. And I'm going to believe the best about you. I'm... This guy irritated the fire out of me. But you know what? I believe that there was some good in Brother Glenn. And finally, after three years, we got that good out of him. Okay? And, and him and his wife both had this major turnaround. I could tell you story after story of, of the bad things they did. But you know what? One day it connected. One day it caught. And both of them had a change of heart. Now, I did leave that church, and I don't know if he cried or rejoiced, I don't, but that's beside the point. Love bears all things, love believes all things. And number three, which is number six on our list, love hopes all things. Love refuses to finally and ultimately condemn someone. It refuses to quit on someone. It refuses to believe that that person could never change. Because let me tell you, as long as God's grace is operative, human failure is never final. God would not take Israel's failure as final. Jesus would not take Peter's failure as final. Paul would not take the Corinthians' failure as final. There are more than enough promises in the Bible to give us hope. And to let love rule. Maybe you're here today and you have a child that is backslidden. 
and they're away from God. Maybe you're here today and you have a spouse that is unsaved and they don't support you and they're, they're not the man or the woman of God that, that they should be. Can I tell you, don't give up on praying for that person. Don't give up on being a witness to that person. You may be their last hope. You may be the only person really praying for them and concerned about them. Don't give up hope. Sometimes in church we have believers who need to be disciplined and, and they get mad and they storm away and they don't repent. But you know what? We can't give up hope in them. We've got to keep believing in them. All hope and love goes on. You keep loving that child. You keep loving that spouse. We keep loving that brother or sister that is away from God so that they can either be saved or restored. Love refuses to take failure as final. Let me tell you, the rope of love's hope has no end to it. As long as there is life, we don't lose hope. When our hope becomes weak, it's because our love has become weak. I read one of those canned stories, and I usually don't tell you canned stories, but just one of those canned illustrations about this dog. Everybody loves dog stories, don't they? I, time out. Let me tell you a story about dog stories, all right? I've told you this before. There's, there's two preachers here in Fort Smith that were brothers. One of them was an exceptional expositor of the Word of God. He could take God's Word and just expound on it, word after word, and just explain it. Great preacher of the Word of God. He would preach a sermon. Nobody would come to the altar and pray. His brother would get up and preach, maybe read a verse, and then tell bird dog stories about how his bird dog was out in the field, and he got shot in the leg, and he just kind of, he kind of kept on going, found that bird, and brought the bird in, and he'd just tell bird dog stories, give an invitation, the altars be full of people. <laughs> it's funnier to me than it is to you, apparently, but people love dog stories, right? So here's a story. <laughs> about a man who went to an airport and for some reason had his dog with him. He got on an airplane and the dog stayed right there in the same spot that he last saw his master for five years. The dog wouldn't leave that spot. Airport employees fed the dog. They took the dog on walk, but for five years, that dog would not leave the place that it last saw its master. And if that's dog, that dog's love for his master can produce that kind of hope, how much longer should you give hope to those that you love? Amen. So don't give up on them. Love hopes all things. And finally, number seven, love endures all things. Love just keeps on loving, even when others fail. The, the word used here is a military term used of an army's holding on a vital position, not giving up at any cost. And that's the way love should be. Love holds fast to those it loves. It endures all things at all costs. It stands against overwhelming opposition. And it refuses to stop bearing. It refuses to stop believing. It refuses to stop hoping. Love will never stop loving. <laughs> love bears what otherwise would be unbearable. Love believes what otherwise would be unbelievable. It hopes in what otherwise would be hopeless. And it endures when anything less than love would give up. And after love bears, it believes. 
and it believes, and then it hopes, and when it hopes, it endures. And there is no after for endurance, for endurance is the unending effect of love. If you love somebody, you're not going to give up on that person. Love endures. I ask you at the beginning of this message to just imagine in your mind that with every word that we spoke of the seven positive aspects of love, you could see the Holy Spirit with a paintbrush painting a portrait of what love visually looks like. Okay, and so we've had the words here. The Bible tells us love is patient, love is kind, love rejoices with the truth, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And with those words, we have seen the Holy Spirit paint a masterpiece. And when I turn around and I see the strokes of the Holy Spirit painting this masterpiece, you know what I see? Jesus. He's painting a portrait of Jesus because Jesus is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Let's end with this verse. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So how do you know if you've been born of God? You love God and you love people. That's it. You might say, well, preacher, this is kind of a test, isn't it? Yeah, you could say that. And, and I'm looking at my, my list of these seven things that I've taken a test on, and I've flunked a few of them. Well, you know what? In and of yourself, you're going to flunk every one of them. Because this test now turns into an invitation. If you want this kind of love in your life, you've got to have Jesus. Because this love comes from God. Do you have it? Do you want it? He's willing to give it. And Lovely Father, I pray right now that uh, we would just receive your love into our life. Lord, for those who are in person listening to me and those online listening that have never experienced the love of God, I pray that right now they would receive your love into their hearts. They would confess that they are sinners they need a Savior, that they would pray with their heart that you would forgive them, they would believe in their heart that you can save them, and they would confess you as Lord of their life. And dear Lord, as you save them, I pray that you would fill them with your love. Dear Lord, for the rest of us who have been born again, I pray that we would pursue love, that we would love people like you love people, that our love would be patient, it would be kind that our love would stand on and rejoice in the truth, that it would bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, and that our love would endure. Thank you, dear Jesus, for loving us. Help us to love you and each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. I want, I want you to know that I love you, and I want you to know God loves you. And if you're struggling with this thing of love and you've never received God's love into your heart, come and talk to me or one of the pastors either after the service or this week. Those of you online, please, please call us. Come by and see us. We want to help you grow in Christian love because love is everything. Amen? Amen. So love God, love each other. Put your mask back on. When you walk out, drop your offering into the offering box. Tonight, tune in. 
Facebook Live at 6 o'clock. Brother Johnny's got a great uh, lesson for our kids. 6 o'clock, Brother Nathan's going to be on Instagram Live for the teenagers. And then at 6.30, get back on Facebook Live and uh, watch Brother Al Valentine teach our adult Sunday school lesson. Let me tell you, Al Valentine is one sharp cookie. He is a, a real student of God's Word, and he can clearly explain the Word of God. So watch Brother Al tonight. Then 7 o'clock on Wednesday, we are still only online. Brother Jason is going to be preaching for us. So tune in. I can't wait to hear another Nickel Boy story. I mean, hope you have some good Nickel Boy stories. So, and y'all Nickel Boys, just keep doing the things you do so Daddy can keep having good illustrations, all right? Remember, it's our turn. Uh, keep praying every day at 1.30. Pray for it's our turn. Somebody asked me this morning, Brother Will, when are we going to get to reignite it's our turn? I really don't know the answer to that. We're not going to start it's our turn until we have the whole family back. I was hoping that was going to be this fall. Uh, it, it may not be until beginning of next year. But during the meantime, the building keeps being built. Uh, drive around there today and look at it. They've drilled all the piers. They're telling me that by the middle of August, we're going to have a foundation, and then the building is going to start going up. Uh, so things continue to progress. You keep praying. Pray that coronavirus would end <laughs> so that we could come back completely as the family of God and pray that in the meantime, there would be a resurgence and a revival at Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church. Mark August the 9th down on your calendar. Here in a couple of weeks, on August the 9th, we're going to recognize all of our graduates. Now, they've already graduated, and now these high school graduates are about to go off to college, and uh, those who have graduated college are trying to get jobs. But before they all leave, we're going to recognize them. It's going to be August the 9th. It's going to happen in the second service, and there's a boatload of them. I think 21. Wow, isn't that great? 21 graduates. So uh, if you are one of those graduates and you haven't got your pictures in, get them in to Brother Devin, talk to Brother Nathan, because we want to honor you. God loves you. Staff loves you. I love you. Have a great day. Y'all go love each other. <laughs>